I, uh, well, I needed to uh, check my collar there because last time I took my guitar off, my sister had to, had to fix my uh, collar for me. She was thinking about me, didn't want me looking any more like, like the goofball that I am sometimes. And so uh, she was very nice to fix that for me. Thank you, Janelle. Didn't want her to have to come up and get me all straightened out. But uh, thank God for sisters, right? Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes it takes a while uh, for people like me who are a little slow. Uh, we don't, uh, we don't think to thank God for that. And uh, uh, but now that I've gotten a little bit older, I, I appreciate my sister. Praise God. Praise God. Um, in the back. Um, Pastor Gary, let me uh, mention this. I uh, wrote a book together with a, a, a man from our gentleman from our church that, that we uh, used to pastor in Buffalo, here in Minnesota, not New York. And uh, the uh, uh, it's it's called the Bible revealed in ten stories, God's chosen ten. Um, it's got uh, ten individuals throughout Scripture. Uh, of course, we know there's more than ten, uh, but but ten individuals from Scripture who who really highlight and bring out the, the plan of God and his, his desire for a relationship with mankind. Starts with Adam and Eve and how that relationship was lost and then uh, comes all the way around to Jesus and then uh, uh, John and Peter, and, or uh, Paul and Peter, and then ultimately John looking forward to Jesus' return and our role in that. So uh, if you want, those are on the back table where... They're on Amazon for I think twelve ninety five today. Uh, here they're ten bucks if you if you want one. Ten dollars for one, uh, two for twenty five or three for fifty. We think that's a great deal. No, I know. <laughs> just teasing, just teasing. Ten bucks a piece, and uh, that one's discounted because I threw it on the floor. Um, the uh, so if you want those, those are in the back, and we have prayer cards back there. And um, just excited about what God is doing and the way He's. Uh, the way he continues to work. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to I talk to you today about uh, uh, a slave's, slave's advocate. Slave's advocate. I, I am so thankful for, for Jesus and uh, his, his presence and his continued work. So thankful that, that he continues to intercede on our behalf. Hallelujah. Uh, Philemon is is the book we're going to be looking at, and we're gonna we're gonna go through the whole book. Uh, Pastor Gary didn't tell me what time you normally end, so we're just gonna keep going until we go through the entire book of Philemon, all twenty five verses of it. And uh, the uh, uh, I, I I hope uh, we 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 plan to be done sometime before two, um, but just stick with me. Stick with me. Philemon has always been an interesting book. I, mean, I, I used to wonder why the book of Philemon was even in the Bible, right? Because it seems like this ordinary letter. It, it's, just, it's just a letter. It, it, it felt like reading somebody else's mail. Um, Paul writing this letter to a guy named Philemon who was the owner of a runaway slave, okay? And uh, so Paul's writing this letter to this guy. It just feels like it shouldn't be in the Bible. When I first read it, I thought, why, why is this even here? What's, what's the point of all of this? It's, it's, almost, like, it's almost like getting a, uh, a, a letter, an excused absence from school letter. All right? 
uh, that's that's the way this book, that's the feel of this book. When when I was a teenager, I used to have, I worked at at a factory and I was friends with the secretary there and she would write out my excuse notes from school and she'd say, you know, please excuse, she had way better handwriting than I did. And so she, you know, please excuse Bill from school. He has, uh, our family has family counseling. They must have thought our family was just, had all kinds of problems because that was the kind of one. Because, you know, if, if you say he's got a dentist appointment or a doctor's appointment or something like that, they would call and check on that, but nobody wants to call and check on family counseling. So it was like the perfect excuse, except they probably thought we just had all kinds, we were a messed up family, I guess, but uh, they would, uh, uh, she, she would write that. That's kind of the feel of this letter. That, that Paul writes to Philemon on behalf of Onesimus. It's almost like he's saying, Dear Principal Philemon, please excuse little Onesimus' absence from school last Friday. He had a terrible case of the runaways. Thank you, Father Paul. All right? It just has that feel to it. Uh, the, why is this included? Um, it, I... There's a lot of things that I would ask my dad. My dad was a pastor, and I would ask him different things, and I'm sure he just kind of shook his head like, Bill, <laughs> just think a little bit, all right? I started looking at this a little deeper, and there is so much eternal truth in this letter, so much truth that, that we get out of this. It, it, it is one of those books, it's kind of like, for me, it's like reading the book of Ruth, I can hardly even think about the book of Ruth without, without tearing up and just think about Jesus, our kinsman redeemer. You know? it, uh, this book is like that for me. Thinking about Paul as the advocate on behalf of Onesimus is, is just so amazing. Our, our, uh, one of our key verses is actually not from Philemon, but it, it, it in some ways uh, sums up a lot of what the book of Philemon is about. It's from John chapter 8 verses 34 through 36. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I was a slave to sin. You were a slave to sin. We needed someone to to step in on our behalf. That's what an advocate does, right? An advocate steps into our place to represent us before someone else. Have you ever had to take advantage of an advocate? Someone who would speak for you? Maybe maybe it was an attorney. Maybe it was a a friend or a parent. Uh, I I have. uh, But but one one, uh, story that, that came to mind was years ago, we pastored a, a little church in, in south, southeastern New Mexico. If, if, this is, if this is a map of New Mexico, okay, uh, and, and it's, it's a really big state, but um, and it's, it's a long story how we ended up in New Mexico from Minnesota, but we did. Anyway, the, uh, we, Albuquerque is like here in this area. Uh, Santa Fe would be up here. And we pastored in a little town down here, okay? It was just, it was just like, like if, if you were drawing it on the map, you'd, you'd use just the, the finest tip pencil you could and just put the slightest little dot right down here. We were, we, had, we were eight miles from Texas this way, 
and uh, nine miles from Texas this way. Okay, so we're way right down in the, in the corner of the state. If somebody had just nudged the state hard enough, we would have just fallen off right into Texas. And that's, that's where we were in this, in this little town. And uh, my uncle, who was an evangelist at the time, had come and he was speaking for us. And, and uh, we had a wonderful service that Sunday morning. And our son Caleb, who was just a little boy at the time, was, was goofing off after the service, doing something that he wasn't supposed to be doing. And I said, Caleb? And I, I didn't hear, I said, Caleb! And he, and he, all of a sudden I hear my uncle from down the hall. There was a long hallway that went out to our fellowship hall and then uh, the side parking lot, which is where we parked usually and, and left the front parking spaces for, for people who were coming to the church. And so uh, he was... Caleb was running down that hallway, and my uncle had gotten in between myself and Caleb. And he says, he's okay, Dad. He's with me. Don't worry. We'll see you at home. And he's ushering Caleb out the door. He was Caleb's advocate, standing in the way. Caleb deserved to be in trouble. He should have been in trouble. And it was my job to make sure he got straightened out. But my Uncle Chuck got in the way as his advocate, got between us and said, I've got it. It's all going to be okay. All right. Don't worry about it. We'll take care of it later. And, and I, I thought, what a great picture that is of what Jesus has done for us. What a great picture of, of how Jesus intercedes on our behalf and stands in the way, stands between us and God and, and says, don't worry. Don't worry. He's covered by my blood. He's taken care of. And uh, so thankful for that. Uh, so thankful for what Jesus did for us. But in this letter, back to Philemon, you were wondering if I was going to get back there, weren't you? Um, in this letter, this is what Paul is doing on behalf of Onesimus. This is what Paul is doing. He, he is a symbol of Jesus for us. He's a symbol of Christ, uh, inter, interceding, intervening, being an advocate on Onesimus's behalf. And I, I just wanted to talk about this for a few minutes this morning. Look at this letter together. Let's, let's begin with, with verses 10 and 11. All right? Paul writes, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful, both to you and to me. Wow, what a great, what a great thing. We have an advocate who calls us useful. Useful. He calls us useful. The world certainly doesn't. Our enemy, Satan, certainly doesn't. But our, 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 our co-heir, uh, Christ, certainly does. He calls us useful. He says, he, he, is, he, she is useful to me. We have an advocate who calls us useful. You may have grown up in a, in a house where, where uh, your family thought you were useless. You may, you may be in, in, a, in a, a spot in life where your family thinks you're useless, where, where your employer has, has indicated that he thinks you're useless, he or she thinks you're useless. But I want you to know, in God's eyes, you are useful. This means that we have a purpose, right? Each of us has a purpose. God has called us to something we have a purpose. We are useful to him. One of the things that we are useful uh, in, one of, the, one of the areas that, that, that shows up is the fact that in John 15, 
Jesus says that we're called to bear fruit. We're called to bear fruit. We are, we are useful tools in His hand to bear fruit. I brought, I brought some examples of useful tools. These, these tools don't take... I'm not... Don't, don't think I, I know actually how to use these. My, my brother-in-law knows how to use tools, okay? Uh, not, me, not so much. But uh, um, uh, I, I do know which, which side to grab. I do know which side to hold on to. Um, but the, uh, I've got a screwdriver, old and, old and beat up, because I've probably used it for the wrong thing too many times. And I've got a, uh, a pliers. This pliers has definitely seen better days. I need a pliers to put this pliers back together. Actually, this one is in, in rough shape. But uh, it, uh, these are actually useful tools. And it, I, I don't know if you've ever had that experience of needing a screwdriver really bad and it wasn't there. It, you can, sometimes, this is a, this is a, a straight set or a regular screwdriver, standard screwdriver. Uh, you can sometimes improvise something else, to, or you know, a knife blade or a coin, or sometimes you can make something else work, but boy, a Phillips head screwdriver, you're just, if you don't have one of those, you're just up a creek, or, or because those weren't uh, um, challenging enough, you know, you can get a Torx head screw or uh, all kinds of different head, screw, square set screws, because because way too, way, nobody wants just two screwdrivers. Everybody needs a half dozen of them. And uh, a pliers, you know, if you don't have something like a pliers to hold on to that other side, you might be screwing with this side. It just keeps turning and turning and turning. You can't wonder why. These are just common tools. But boy, are they useful. Boy, are they useful. And if you don't have these, you, you're, you're sunk. You're sunk. And so you need those. Listen. God calls you useful, and you might say, but I'm just common. I'm just ordinary. Praise God. That's what's needed. The common, the ordinary. Sometimes these things are easy to overlook. They're taken for granted. But they're invaluable to our existence. You, you probably didn't think about uh, there's other tools like that. You don't usually think about them as tools. But every one of us needs oxygen, Right? But you probably didn't wake up this morning thinking, let's see, did I remember to pack enough oxygen for me? If you have to carry around a canister, maybe you did. You, you would think about something like that, all right? But if you don't, you, you don't normally think about that. You say, do I have enough oxygen? Yeah, yeah, I'm okay. I'm all right. I'm going to make it to Probably nobody here thought about that before they came to church. Probably nobody. Hopefully you thought, did I, did I bring my Bible? Did I have that? I used to have a friend who's... His stepdad would always say, he was a baseball player, he'd say, Matheson, did you get your Bible for church? And he'd say, yeah, Dad, I got it. He goes, well, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't go to a baseball game without your baseball glove, would you? So you got to take your Bible to church. So uh, I, think, I know most of you probably have it on your phone, uh, your Bible on your phone, and, and we get it up on the screen. So that's nice, but it's nice to have your Bible too. But that's also a tool for us. But, but you probably didn't think about oxygen this morning as a tool that you might need. Probably didn't think about gravity. Man, I wonder if gravity's going to work this morning. You roll over and like, oh, no, I'm floating again. I'm up in the air again. None of us did that. But we all needed gravity. It, sometimes we don't like the effects of gravity, but we need gravity to be working the way it's supposed to. All of these things have to work, and they're all useful to us, whether we think about them or not. We need them. And Paul says Onesimus is useful, which is interesting. I'm told that, that he was kind of doing a play on words here because Onesimus' name actually means useful. 
useful. He says, hey, useful is useful to you. At one time, he was overlooked as a slave or a piece of property. But now he was useful both in name and in occupation, both to Paul and Philemon. He was ministering to Paul while Paul was in Rome. He was being sent back to Philemon as an example of God's redemption and freedom from slavery. And he's useful to us all these years later. To us here in Cross Lake today. Onesimus is useful to us because he illustrates how God redeemed us and set us free from, from the chains of slavery that bound us. We're all needed in God's kingdom. How, how many of you remember the most famous bench warmer in all of Viking history? Anybody remember, you know, bench warmer Bob Lertzema, right? Does anybody remember him? He was, he, yeah, good, good. I'm glad somebody remembers He, the most famous bench warmer ever, and he made a fortune being a bench warmer. Made a career of being a bench warmer. But you know what? Uh, God doesn't have any bench warmers in his kingdom. Each of us has a job to do. Each of us has a ministry. Sometimes you may feel like the Maytag man just sitting around twiddling your thumbs. I don't really have anything to do. But each of us has something to do. At one time, all of us were useless to God because of our sin. But now, because of Christ, he calls us useful. And he has something for us to do in his kingdom. Someone needs to hear from you today. Someone needs to hear from you today. Someone needs to be encouraged by you today. Someone needs to, to, to shake your hand or get a hug from you or get a smile from you. Someone needs to hear a call from you today. Are you going to be useful in God's kingdom? Are you going to minister to them in, uh, and, and help bring them into God's kingdom? Maybe it'll be a, a cashier at, at Holiday Station. Maybe it'll be someone at the restaurant. Maybe it'll be a family member. Maybe it'll be your neighbor. But someone has got to hear from you today. Someone needs you to pray for them today. Someone needs for you to, to agonize in prayer on their behalf. Maybe it's a, a child or a grandchild that's away from Christ. Maybe it's, it's uh, just someone that you happen to pass randomly that, that, that God intentionally brings to your path. It, it seems random to you, but God brings them into your path, into your way, and, and you, you just take time and pray for them today. Someone needs to know that you uh, love them and want to bring them into the kingdom of God today. Why? Because we have an advocate who calls us useful. We have an advocate who calls us useful. We also have an advocate who calls us a brother. Let's skip down to um, verses uh, Six, uh, 12 through 16. Uh, Paul continues here. He says, I'm sending him who is my very heart back to you. Isn't that something? He's my very heart. I'm, but I'm sending him back to you. Knowing, knowing that Philemon rightfully could have this guy killed, he says, this is this for running away. He says, he's my very heart. My very heart and I'm sending him back to you. I would like to, have, to keep him with me so that he could take your place in ministering, in, in, sorry, he could take your place in helping me while I'm in chains for the gospel. 
but I did not want to do anything without your consent, so that any favor you will do will be spontaneous and not forced. Which is hilarious, because how could it be spontaneous now? He's just said, you could do this favor for me. You could do this if you wanted to, but I want it to be spontaneous. All right. Uh, perhaps the reason he was separated you from you for a little while was that you might have him back for good. No longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a man and as a brother in the Lord. Praise God. We have an advocate who calls us a brother. This, this really denotes relationship, doesn't it? It conveys, when we talk about somebody being our brother, and, and we used to do that all the time in the church. We'd call people, I remember growing up, and I mentioned to, uh, we, I remember there was a, uh, a, a couple in our church that had some, some kids about, about our age, and we'd go over to their house, and we'd call them you know, uh, brother and sister uh, tenant, or, or uh, sister uh, Loretta, and, uh, they, and she said, oh, don't, don't call me that. Just call me Loretta. Right? Okay. It, it just felt so weird, because my parents always say, you know, you call people in the church brother or sister, because we have a relationship, right? And uh, we called them that. Boy, we got in so much trouble from my parents after we said, hey, Loretta. Um, the, uh, and that didn't go over well with my mom and dad. But, but uh, that, that indicates when we call each other brother or sister, it indicates that relationship that we have with them. And, and even though we, we may not do that like we used to, Christ still has a relationship with us that is unique. And Christ's relationship with us is a loving relationship that he has with us and that we extend to each other. We, we love each other. We minister to each other. We love each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and so we have this relationship, but this also denotes, and my, my computer doesn't like this word because it's not really a word, but, but we're using it today anyway. It denotes airship, okay? Not, not airship like one that floats in the air, not, not that, but airship, H-E-I-R-S-H-I-P. Your computer won't like it either because it's not really a word. But it denotes that we are co-heirs, right? Co-heirs. Let's read from Romans chapter 8, verses 12 through 17. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it's not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Praise God. We are co-heirs, joint heirs with Christ. Uh, Paul says something very similar to the church, uh, churches in Galatia in, uh, when he writes in Galatians chapter 4, verses 4-7, through seven, But when the time had, had fully come, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. Because you are sons, God sent, his spirit, the, sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, 
the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. Praise God. What what I'm talking about is that when we've been included in God's will, we inherit all the things that he has for us. Right? He's put us in his will. Now, he's not going to die, but he says, you're going to inherit all of this. We're going to inherit all these things uh, from him when we come into that relationship. We inherit God's grace. We inherit God's love. We were singing about God's mercies being new every morning just a few minutes ago. We inherit those. We inherit eternal life. We inherit freedom from sin. Hallelujah. We don't have to sin anymore. We don't have to. Sometimes we still choose to, but we don't have to because we're not slaves to sin anymore. That, that, that chain has been broken. So again, sometimes we, we choose to go back there, but we don't have to. We are joint heirs with Christ. We've been set free from that. We have all the rights of children of God that Jesus had. Hallelujah. That's why, that's why it's no problem for us to believe for healing in Jesus' name. We've been given that right. We've been given that option. We can pray and believe God for healing. We can pray and believe God to step into our situations, to step into our lives, to step into the circumstances or the situations we find ourselves in and say, God, I need your help. I need you to show up. Father, I need you to do a miracle in this area. And we can expect him to do that because we are co-heirs with Christ. Hallelujah. Joint heirs with Christ. We have access to everything that the Father has available to us. Praise the Lord. So, we have have an advocate who calls us useful. We have an advocate who calls us a brother. And we have an advocate who has paid our bill. Let's, Let's look at verses 17 through 21. He says, So, if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back. Not to mention, I I love this part, not to mention that you owe me your very self. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I ask. Praise God. I think Paul was the original Jewish mother. Um, the uh, the uh, Jewish mothers have a, a uh, reputation, I don't know if it's true or not, but they have a reputation of being very good at, at laying on the guilt, right? Laying on layer after layer after layer of guilt uh, to, to motivate their kids to do what they want them to do. Uh, that's exactly what Paul does here to Philemon, right? He says, listen, I'll pay you. If he owes you anything, I'll pay it. But don't forget, you owe me your very self, okay? And uh, he says, hey, don't worry. I'm confident you'll do the right thing. And uh, I, I, I love that. What a, what, a great, uh, what a great portion of Scripture. We have an advocate as well who has paid our bill. Jesus paid everything for us. We, we usually have to pay a, a big price to earthly advocates. right? Has anybody ever had to pay a lawyer bill? It, it, I, I didn't see any hands, so I'm going to say no. Uh, 
Praise God for that. Thank the Lord for that, because uh, that can get really, really expensive to have a lawyer be your advocate, and uh, that, that can add up really quickly. Um, instead of having to pay Jesus for all he's done for us, he went ahead and paid it our price all himself. Let's look at Romans chapter 5, verses 18 and 19. It says, Consequently, just as the result of one trespass was condemnation for all men, so also the result of one act of righteousness was justification that brings life for all men. For just as through the disobedience of the one man the many were made sinners, so through the obedience of one man, of course he's talking about Jesus, the many, talking about us, will be made righteous. Hallelujah. Let's uh, go to verse 15, chapter 5, verse 15 of Romans. But the gift is not like the trespass, for if many died by the trespass of one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Now let's skip over to Romans chapter 6, verse 23. You're familiar with this verse. For the wages of sin is death. Let's just read that one together, shall we? For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Isn't that great? What a, what a blessing. What an awesome verse. If, if, if you don't already have that one memorized, that would be a great one to work on this week. Jesus paid the price for us with his blood. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25 says, Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him, because he always lives to intercede for them. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. That's what Christ did for us. We were all slaves to something. And, and a, a lot of times, one of, the, one of the objections that people have coming into a relationship with Christ is they'll say something like, well, I, I don't want, it, I don't want uh, God to be the boss of me. I, I don't want God to be in charge of my life. Because when we come to Christ, that's really what we're saying, right? Look, God, you be the boss. Forgive me of my sins and then be in charge of my life. Be the boss. Uh, a lot of people want Jesus to be their Savior, but not everybody wants Jesus to be their Lord. And, and that's the sticky part. Being the, our Lord means that he gets to be the boss of us. And uh, that's what we need in our lives. We had messed up our lives. And, and the reality is everyone is a slave to something. The question is, whose slave are you? Romans chapter 6, verses 16 through 18 says, don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone to obey him as slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, whether you are a slave to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God, that though you used to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. Everyone's a slave to something whether it's a slave to sin or a slave to righteousness. Everyone is a slave. I would rather be a slave to righteousness. Hallelujah. And I can be, and you can be, because Jesus paid our bill. Our advocate paid our bill. Hallelujah. Our advocate paid our bill. We have an advocate who calls us useful. You are useful to God. You are useful in the kingdom of God. Whatever the world has tried to dump on you, know this this morning, you are useful to the kingdom of God. Your advocate says so. You have, a, you have an advocate that calls you a brother. That means you are joint heirs with him. 
Everything that God has available is available to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And we have an advocate who has paid our bill. A number of years ago, my, my mom uh, was needing to have a heart surgery. She had a, since having a valve replaced and, uh, and some stints put in or something, I, I don't remember everything that was going on, but uh, my wife Julie and I headed down to New Mexico. They were living in New Mexico at the time. And we went down to New Mexico to, to be with them, and the surgery was actually taking place in Lubbock, Texas. So we went there, met them there, and, and uh, while we were there, our, our routine kind of worked out uh, this way. We would, we would go get up in the morning, and, and I, would, I would take my dad down to breakfast. We'd have breakfast, which took quite a while. My dad's health was failing as well at that time. And, but we'd go down and have breakfast there at the motel, and then... And then we'd go over to the hospital to, to see my mom, and I would take my dad up there to see him. And then I would pick up Julie. Uh, my wife had to spend the night with my mom in the hospital just to kind of keep her calm. She's having such a reaction to the medication, the drugs that they had given her as they were uh, doing the surgery that they needed somebody from the family there to spend the night with her. And so that fell uh, on, my, on my wonderful wife. And uh, she, she was there taking care of my mom, but... We'd, it was the shift change, right? So I, I would drop off my dad and pick up my wife and take her back to the motel and uh, drop her off. And then I'd go back over to keep an eye on my dad and visit with my mom while uh, Julie got to get some, get some rest. And, and, and then after a while, I'd pick, uh, take my dad and, and we'd go back over to the motel and pick up Julie. And then we'd go to lunch somewhere and, and have lunch together and and uh, uh, I'd run errands with him, whatever he needed uh, for the day. And, and then uh, we'd just, it, we were just running all the time. I was the taxi service. That was my job during this time was just to be the taxi service, and we were running everywhere. The, the neat thing about it is I got to spend time with my dad, just hang out with him as we'd go to different places, and, and uh, I got to take him to some of his appointments, some of his doctor's appointments at the VA, and... And one of the things that I noticed is he would say to people all the time, remember, Jesus loves you. And people would hear him, and they, and they would smile, and they, they would uh, say thank you. Because everybody loves to hear that, right? Jesus loves you. That's a great thing to hear. That's a nice thing. We all want to be loved. And, and so it's nice to hear Jesus loves us. And it's true. He does. But then my dad would say this. He'd say, but you've got to love him back. You've got to love him back. You see, we all want Jesus to love us. We all want him to be our advocate. But we don't all want to be useful. We don't all want to claim membership in, in his family. We don't all want him to pay the price for us and let him be our Savior and our Lord. We want an advocate. Man, forgiveness for my sins, sign me up. Living for God afterwards? Uh, don't know about that. I want you to know you have an advocate who has paid the price for your release. The thing is, uh, uh, what I'm wondering is, will you allow yourself to be free from sin and live as a slave to righteousness? You are useful in the kingdom of God. You are a joint heir with Christ. He calls you brother. He calls you sister. He loves you. 
He's paid your price. Will you live like you're part of the family? My parents used to always tell us when we, my sister or I would go to spend the night at someone else's house, they'd say, Good, goodbye, have fun. Don't forget whose son you are. Don't forget whose daughter you are. And I just encourage you today, don't, don't forget whose son or daughter you are. If you've come into a relationship with God through Jesus, don't forget. You're useful. You're part of the family now. You have an advocate who's paid your price. Hallelujah. Share that with others. Share that with others. I, I'd, I'd like for us to close our service by singing one more song this morning. Um, and at, at, after we're done with this song, I just want to give you a chance. If you've never come into a relationship with God through Jesus, if you've not made Him your Savior and your Lord, this is the perfect morning for that. It's the perfect day to do that very thing. And I want to encourage you. Uh, my wife Julie and I will be here at the front, and we'd love to pray with you, pray for, to pray for you, and, and see God make a change in your life and, and bring you from death to life, from darkness to light, from being outside the family to being a part of the family. If you've, if you've already done that and, and you want prayer for any reason, maybe God's spoken something to your heart today, uh, we'd, we'd love to pray with you, to pray for you. Maybe uh, you need uh, a prayer for healing. Whatever, whatever it may be, we'd be happy to pray with you and see God do a miracle on your behalf. But let's, let's just sing together. Uh, we fall down. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And uh, I invite you to stand with me. And uh, as, as is your custom, if you have tithes or offerings, you can uh, bring those up. But uh, if you need prayer for any reason, we'll be here. We'd love to pray for you. Love to pray with you this morning. Let's, let's sing this together.